This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Cool. So um, this morning I'm going to be finishing off uh, the series we've been looking at uh, called Devoted. Um, and we're going to kick off in the same place where we started in the last four, uh, four weeks, well last three weeks actually, this is the week four. And we're going to be turning to Acts chapter two. Um, the context of where we're reading from, if either you haven't been in the previous weeks or you've um, forgotten or you don't know, um, is basically... The disciples have been filled with the Holy Spirit. They're preaching the gospel boldly. Um, there's this guy, Peter, and he's preaching uh, to this crowd that has gathered. And he preaches, repent and be baptized. Uh, that Jesus is the Savior. And uh, basically what happens is, is that if we read, if we jump in at the end of his preach, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Verse 41. And then verse 42 is where we, we come in, where we've been looking at this uh, devoted series. It says, they devoted themselves. That's talking about the early church, uh, the people there, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in, tem- in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sin- sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. It's um, it's a great, it's a great bit of scripture when we read about the early church and the exciting things that are going on. And I don't know about you, but I find when you read um, these four things that the, the early church were devoted to, um. I feel like the breaking bread just doesn't quite fit in. It doesn't quite fit in with the other three. Um, but let me just quickly explain what breaking bread is, just in case you think, what is he on about? Uh, so breaking bread, um, there's quite a few different terminology that is used within uh, the wider church across the world. So you might know it as Holy Communion, you might know it as Mass, you might know it as Lord's Supper, you might know it as the Eucharist. All different names for what um, really is the same thing. It's, it's uh, sharing of the bread and the wine, which we're going to be doing later on. Um, and I'm going to be explaining to you what that's all about in a bit. Uh, so bear with me if you're still thinking, what is breaking bread all about? But as I was saying, of these four things, I find that uh, breaking bread doesn't seem to fit in with the other three. And what I mean by that, so it seems like the odd one out. So the other three, so we've got the Apostles' teachings, which Howard preached on three weeks ago, uh, basically trust, uh, devoting ourselves to the scripture, to the Bible, reading the word, to, to preaching. So that's, that's been devoted to the apostles' teaching. Fellowship. Uh, Sophie looked at that two weeks ago, being devoted to community, being devoted to relationship and family within the church. You've got prayer and worship. 
um, spending time in God's presence, enjoying that. So you've got these three things, which if I was to say to you, if someone said, um, what's your church all about? Or what's Christianity all about? My guess is you would probably explain some of these three things. And my guess is not one of you would explain to them about breaking bread if someone asked you what Christianity is all about. And so, so I think that's going on. I think if you moved into New Town and you were looking for a new church, you'd be thinking, actually, which church really believes the Bible is preaching scripture? Which church is really enjoying God's presence and wants to meet with God and wants to uh, engage with him in prayer and worship? Which, which church has got like real relationship, real love, real community? And that's how you'd be um, picking a church. But I can guarantee that there's probably not one person in this room who would pick a church because I like how they break bread. So it doesn't quite fit for me. So what is going on here? Why is breaking bread included in these four things that the church was devoted to? Um, I can only put it down to something culturally we have got wrong. Culturally, we're missing something out on what breaking bread is all about. And that is what I hope this morning, we'll, as we start to unpack a bit more, what is it all about, we'll start to value, actually, this is why it's so important. This is why we do it. This is why we devote ourselves to it. I think as a church, we've been on a bit of a journey in the sense of we didn't used to do it every week. Um, if you were here around three more years ago, actually, it used to be that we did it very sporadically. And people used to say, why are we not breaking bread more regularly? And as leaders, we thought, yeah, you know what? Let's break bread more regularly. Let's be devoted to it. And so we do that in this context. But devotion means much more than just doing it in this context. But again, I'm going to get onto that. So I keep jumping ahead. Um, in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week, we, so that's a few of the, uh, uh, so I think it's Luke and Paul or Peter, they say, we got together to break bread. So there's this context, actually, the reason they got together on that occasion was to break bread. Again, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, I've never got together with Christians for the purpose of breaking bread. Any, Anyone? No, I'm not on my own there. It's just not something we do. So these guys saw something so valuable in, the, in breaking bread together that I'm hoping this morning we think, ah, yeah, let's do this together. This is important. This is what we need to do as a church community. So I'm quite a simple-minded guy. I like things to be simple. And so this morning I'm going to try and keep it really simple. We're going to be asking two questions. We're going to be asking why and we're going to be asking how. So the why is why do we do it, what the reasons for it, and the why then influences the how, how we go about then, then doing that. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to turn to um, 1 Corinthians. And we're going to be looking at two sections, one in 1 Corinthians 10, one in 1 Corinthians 11. And basically, of all the places in Scripture, this is probably where it talks about breaking bread the most. It's got the most detail. So we're going to use it to find out the why and the how of uh, what we should be doing and why we should be doing it. So, 1 Corinthians 10 says, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of blessing for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Then in 1 Corinthians 11, says, so then... When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and the other one gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? 
Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. As saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whenever uh, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Lord Jesus, we just pray this morning, Holy Spirit, you would come, you would come and speak to us. Lord, where your early church devoted themselves to breaking bread, we pray, Lord, as a church, we would learn to devote ourselves to uh, breaking bread as well. And we would understand why, why you've called us to do it together as believers. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to fly through seven reasons uh, which Paul lists in these two Corinthians passages as, and these aren't all conclusive um, reasons. There's probably other reasons out there as well. Um, but these are seven of the reasons why we break bread together. So number one, it's a blessing meal. Okay? So it's, he says, Is not the cup of blessing for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Blessing is a funny old word these days. Um, we tend to only use it after someone sneezes. Uh, so if we really want to understand what blessing is, it basically means God's favour. God's favour and his protection over us. And so that's what we understand as blessing. So what happens is we, when we partake in this meal, we come to bless God and he comes to bless us. And in Psalm 104, verse 15, so, um, so in, in the psalm, it's this, uh, it's this long psalm about how great God is and all that he's done in the world and all that he's done for um, his people. And there's a section in the middle which talks about how he blesses his people. And in, some, in number, verse 15, it says, um, in the list of how he blesses his people, he says, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustain their hearts. So wine to gladden human hearts and bread to sustain human hearts. So there's a sense of actually, um, the Bible uses the imagery of blood and wine, of uh, blood and wine, wine and bread as um, ways to physically bless his people. So wine to gladden, bring joy. You read the Old Testament prophets when they speak about the coming um, creation, that uh, the new creation, there's a sense of actually imagery of blood being, uh, wine being the representation of joy, and uh, God's joy on his people. And so uh, there's a sense of not only, there's this physical sense of blessing, that actually as you drink wine and eat uh, bread, it's physically blessing you, but it's, equal, it's a imagery of the spiritual blessing of the world that's going on. So, so we've got both physical and spiritual blessing coming from God as we partake in this. If you read about bread in the Bible, bread again and again and again talks about how it sustains us. So um, give us this day our daily bread, Jesus teaches us to pray. Um, you read about the manna in the desert that, that God um, poured out manna from heaven. So when the people had nothing to eat, there was that manna that sustained them, that bread that kept them going. So this is bread that sustains and that Jesus said, my blessing sustains you through this. So partaking this together. So 
I have found people who said, um, to, I've asked them, oh, how come you didn't take um, bread and wine this week? What, why didn't you join in breaking bread? And, and they just say to me, oh, I, was, I, was, I just felt like I just need to connect with Jesus, do, do my own thing. I'm thinking, no, you're missing out on a blessing here. God wants to bless his people. And so partake in it. If you are a Christian, partake in it. So number one, it's a blessing meal. Number two, it's a participation meal. So it says, is not the cup of blessing for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? So this word where, um, where we get participation from is the same word that derives from how we get uh, the word communion. So we, we're used to the word communion. And it's a sense of actually we have something, we have kind of life in common with Jesus. When, when we partake in the bread and the wine, we're participating with him somehow. And so... so, so w- Sometimes we too quickly um, think of breaking bread as a symbolic act, and it's just symbolism. And Jesus is saying here, no, it's so much more than symbolism. You're participating with me. You're connecting with me. You're physically interacting with me. So I've got... uh, Oh, no, it's going to come up later. Don't worry. Uh, uh, Yes, so it's a sense of it's so much more than a symbol. So I love the bit in... um, in the Gospels, where Jesus is, uh, it's after Jesus is resurrected from the um, from the de- from death, and he meets with two of his disciples on the Emmaus Road. And as he's walking along with them, he's he's um, teaching them about himself through Scripture. And then it says, um, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They told, uh, the, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I feel there's a sense of actually, when we, when we break bread together, we suddenly recognize Jesus. We suddenly have this connection with Jesus. And so we need to believe that actually, spiritually, uh, Jesus connects with us as we have this bread and wine. It's not just a sim- symbolic act. Just quickly, just I keep saying meal, so a blessing meal, participation meal. Um, this is just a side point, just so I don't, so there's no avoiding uh, of confusion. The Bible talks very clearly that this is a meal, and I know sometimes when we look at our tiddly little cups and our little um, torn of bit of bread, it doesn't feel like a meal. But actually, there's a sense so often in the Bible it talks about having it as part of a meal. In, on the Sunday morning, it's not practical to do it as part of a big meal, but. Again, as we go through this morning, I'll be again and again encouraging us, do this in more than just a Sunday morning together. Uh, do this as over a meal together. So, side point. Number three, it's a unity meal. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we share the one loaf. What this verse does not say, which we can so quickly uh, understand it as, is uh, we, can, we can read it as we are body, so we share one bread. And now you're thinking, isn't that what it says? No, it's not what it says. It says we have one bread and therefore we are one body. There's a difference. And that difference, if you want to understand it, is when you invite people over to your house and you all sit around the table, that table unifies you all. You're all sitting there together. You're all partaking in one meal and you're unified together as one. So when Paul's saying here, actually we have one bread, so therefore we're one body, He's saying that we're unified around one bread, Jesus. He's that bread. He's that body that we come before. We're unified around him. Okay? Does that make sense? I think it's a, it's a wonderful... When you, when you get that, you think, great, this is not... We don't partake it because we're coming together to engage in this one body. Actually, this one body makes us all together. 
yeah, so eat together because it unites people. That's why we, God first, we love eating together. We do it a lot and I, I want to encourage you, do it more because it unites you together. And when, if we go back to the Corinthians verse earlier, where, um, in chapter 11, he, Paul is getting angry. He's getting angry at the church because what's going on is they're coming together for this meal and some people are eating loads and they're drinking loads, they're getting drunk while others are going hungry and not having anything. And he's saying, that's not unity. That's not, this is not what this meal is about. This meal is about bringing you together and that all this is doing is bringing division. You're doing exactly the opposite of what it's called you to do. And so he's getting angry. And so, guys, we need to, when we're, when we're partaking in the uh, breaking of bread, we need to understand that actually this is bringing us together as a unity. We need to be looking out who's going with, who's um, in need, who, where do I have which I can give away, that sort of thing. We need to be thinking, how can I serve my brothers and sisters? How can I uh, use this meal as a way to unify together alongside um, those in this church? Okay, number four, Thanksgiving meal. The Lord Jesus, on the night he betrayed, he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. So what we do when we participate in breaking the bread, we are giving thanks to Jesus. We are thanking him. We are not the givers, we're the receivers. We're receiving in this moment from Jesus. He's given to us, and so we're thanking him. Um, the word Eucharist comes from this. Uh, so Eucharist basically means we give thanks. So I know for many of us, we don't... We, here in this church, we refer to this as breaking bread. That's a terminology we use, um, much, mainly because we, we read it in the Bible, for example, in, in this Acts verse. But if, you, if, you're, if someone calls it a Eucharist, that's fine. It just basically means we give thanks. But that's only one aspect of this meal. Okay? So, I just want, so it's fine to call it a Eucharist if that's what you're used to, but it's just one aspect, giving thanks. There's so much more. But that's what it means. So it's a Thanksgiving meal. God has given to us, and we're receiving from him. It's a remembrance meal. It says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So this remembrance meal is basically what it's making us do. It's making us look backwards. It's making us look back um, to the cross the wine that represents the blood, and we've got the bread that represents the body that Jesus gave for us. And so every time we're taken back to the cross, we remember, we remember our, our deep need for him, to, for the forgiveness of our sins. We, we remember, actually, we, our need for the love of God that he's poured out on us, our need for the grace, our need for, to remain humble. When we look at the cross, we remember how weak we are and how strong he is at his on what looked at his weakest moment, actually it was his strongest moment, when he defeated uh, sin and then he went to death and he, and he rose again, defeating death. And that's what it takes us back to. And we need to keep in mind of that. So when we go through our weeks and we see kind of what happened down in London this week and we think the injustice, the injustice that happened for those people in, that, in Glenfall Tower, and we think actually God is a God of justice and we go to the cross, we remember his justice. And we remember that he is the one who is just and he is always on the throne. And so actually when we go to the cross, we remember all that he is and all that he's done. And so we need to keep doing that, remembering what, uh, what happened at the cross and what the cross signifies and all that Jesus is when he was on the cross. So that's one part of the remembering. What, the other thing that I think is uh, also really interesting in the remembering is um, when Jesus sat with his disciples and he broke bread and he shared the wine, 
the, what they were doing, they were, they were doing what's called the Passover meal. And this was basically a remembrance meal. Um, it was remembering, um, for the, the Jewish people did this when they were remembering what had happened when they were slaves in, in Egypt. Um, and God came and rescued them out of slavery. Uh, and the, what the, basically the Passover was, uh, basically God was bringing judgment on the, on the Egyptian nation. And he said to the Jewish people, because I love you and I want to save you, this is what you have to do. You have to kill a lamb, put the blood around the doorposts, and every house that has blood around the doorposts, I'm going to pass over my judgment so my judgment won't fall on that house and, uh, and you'll be saved. And every house that didn't have um, the blood around the doorposts, actually judgment came and the firstborn in that house died. And what, God's, what Jesus was saying here is actually, well, there's many things that are going on here. So, and I could go off on a whole load of things. He's, and he, and so he's going a few things just very quickly. He's saying he is now the, the Passover lamb that was slain. When he went to the cross, his blood, went, his blood was put around our do- doorposts of our lives. And actually he can now, his judgment passes over us. So his judgment no longer hits us. It, it, he took his judgment on himself. And so there's that going on. But what, where I was going with this is that just imagine... Uh, there's, there's no real way to comparison with our, um, to bring a comparison with our kind of culture uh, as where we're at now. There's very few, if any, Jewish people in this room. Um, we don't necessarily celebrate the Passover meal, but if we're trying to bring a context of what Jesus said to the disciples in that moment, it would be almost like um, Jesus saying, "Remembrance Sunday." That, so November the 11th, saying, "Now do this to remember my death." And you, you almost think, "Whoa, we've celebrated this for many years as a culture." Um, and I'm not saying that analogy fits perfectly, it doesn't, but just in terms of the shock of what they probably heard when Jesus said, now do this in remembrance of me. He was saying, actually, this whole meal is about me. That whole exodus moment of, of bringing my people out of Egypt, out of slavery, was all about me. It was about showing that actually I'm the saviour that is to come. And so w- when we come together, we're celebrating that Passover meal that Jesus has passed over um, from judgment on our lives that he took it on himself. Okay, it's a proclamation meal. So Paul says, from wherever you eat uh, this bread and drink this cup, you procru- proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we've just talked about looking backwards. He's now saying looking forwards. So um, whenever we, we, take, we break bread together, we're proclaiming that Jesus is returning. We're proclaiming that he is the king on the throne and he's going to come back for his people. And the thing about breaking bread is it's not something you can do on your own. It, it doesn't work on your own. It's something you always have to do with others. So whether that's in front of other Christians or whether you, there's non-Christians in the mix, you're, do, you're showing everyone that you're doing it in front of, that actually, I believe that Jesus is coming back. He's going to call me home. And so you're proclaiming that with, what, with your actions in that moment. So it's a proclamation mill. So I think we, we want to keep doing it. We want to do it do it in our, in our homes. We want to do it here on Sunday mornings. We want to do it when we're just gathering amongst mates and saying, let's, remember, let's do this. Um, let's proclaim that Jesus is returning, that he is the king. Okay, that was number six. Lastly, number seven, it's a self-examination meal. It says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of this bread and drink from the cup. So what does this mean? It means we need to take it seriously. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's a meal for those who have repented of their sins, who have put their trust in Jesus and said, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. 
And it's to self-examine yourself and say, actually, am I still trusting Jesus to forgive my sin or am I walking in my sin? It's, um, for those, I guess for those who aren't in that place, this meal is not for you. It's, and it's the, it's, the one, it's the one thing we do as a church on a sunny morning that we try and put the line in the sand and say, which line of the sand are you on? It, everything else, we try and make it as accessible as possible for um, people who don't know Jesus to come in on a sunny morning, whether that be um, we, we want our worship to be accessible, we want our, um, hopefully when we preach, we want it to be easy to be listened to and understood by those who are Christians and non-Christians. But it's that one moment on Sunday morning we say, actually, this is a line drawn in the sand. Which line? Which side of the line are you on? Are you, are you living? Have you given your life to Jesus, or are you still living for yourself? And so it's a self-examination, saying, where am I at before Jesus? Where am I at? Um, and in Acts, in Acts two forty-six, it says. Every day they can, so we read at the start, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so the sense of actually this, uh, the sincereness to the hearts, actually they, they, they tested themselves and thinking, actually, Jesus, uh, I want to live for you completely. I want to live totally for you. And so it's this self-examination of actually we're right before Jesus so we can partake in this, in the breaking of bread. So those are the whys. Seven reasons why we... Uh, we should be devoted to breaking bread. Now I'm going to be looking at the how. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fly through these same seven and thinking actually how can we how can we do all seven of these in terms of um, break bread together. So blessing. Again, we look at this like measly little cup. That is not a blessing to me. Like, and again, part of that's due to practicalities. But when you get together in your homes, why don't you? Get big wine glass, get some nice wine, get some fresh bread, and enjoy some cheese and grapes, and have something real fancy and say, guys, we're going to remember Jesus, we're going to celebrate him, but let's bless each other, let's understand that God's blessing us through this. He's blessed us physically, with, don't drink too much wine, alright, but you can enjoy a glass of wine, it's relaxing, it's, um, obviously, that may not be for everyone, but that's fine, um, but, but, Try and do something that creates a culture of actually we are blessed through this. That God wants to bless His people. Yeah, it doesn't have to be all kind of religious and um, serious. It can be with great joy of actually experiencing something of God's blessing right now. So try that. Participation. I think um, I struggle to come up with physical ways that, uh, in terms of practical ways, I should say, of how we could. Um, do participation, but I think it's more about a mindset and challenging our mindset rather than actually doing something physically different. So, um, if we're understanding that actually um, this is particip- participation meal that we are connecting with Jesus, um, I think we need to first of all understand it's not just symbolism. It's not just a symbolic act. It's it's something there that actually Jesus chooses to connect with us uh, through. So, in many ways, the Roman Catholics have got this. Um, a lot better than us, not in every way, but in, in many ways. And actually, they they believe that actually in that moment of uh, the meeting when they share mass, that God is there, God is present because they're taking they're taking bro- uh, bread and wine together. And so, actually, we need to believe that. We need to believe that when we take uh, when we do the breaking of the bread, we are part, we are connecting with God, and He is there in that moment. So, I think we need to believe that. So, it's about mindset change there. So, so do that. 
Unity. Um, again, I'm going to go back to those little shot glasses. I ain't a fan of them. I, and I understand why we've got them, I understand germs and all that, but I would love just one glass or maybe two in a big room, um, which we can pass around and take a sip from. I think I'm all up for that, showing unity. We're all together in one. I know that's probably not what we're going to do, but I just, when you're in your, in your groups um, and you're in your houses, I think do it. Just, just share a glass together. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen, eh? Like, you might get a little cold. Um, I, and I guess the, the, traditionally, the, uh, the ch- some of the more traditional churches, they have like silver kind of goblets and they use real alcohol, alcoholic wine. And actually, that's great for if you're worried about germs, do, do that. Um, but it's that sense of actually we're all sharing a one glass, we're all sharing a one loaf, it's bringing us together. Or, if that's not good for you, why don't you break bread together and then just give each other hugs and say, we're together on this, we're, we're unified. You can do a group hug, hug if you want, I'm not up for that, but you could do that. Um, just you want to do something that unifies you together and say, we're together on this. Um, Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is going to be a fun one, it's something that's generally joyful, so why don't you... Toast Jesus with your wine glasses around the table and say, yes, thank you, Jesus. We, we love you. Why don't you go around just going far enough. We give thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you're all thanking God for saying quick prayers of thanks around the table. Why don't you um, sing a song of thanks to joy? Thank you for saving me. Something like that um, to Jesus as, just as a group and say, yes, we're, we're thanking Jesus for uh, for breaking uh, for this moments of break bread together thank you for the cross so forth so you can do that it's easy and it's joyful it doesn't have to be serious remembrance um maybe maybe remembrance it's about just doing it even when you don't plan to do it jesus said do this whenever you eat bread and drink this cup so maybe sometimes when you've just got um people over from church you think hang on a sec we've got we've got wine tonight oh you know what we've got some bread why don't we why don't we just break bread together and just doing that in remembrance, always saying, actually, when, how often can we do this together? Actually, Jesus says, do this whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup. Um, so just keep remembering to do it. Proclaim. Well, how can you proclaim? I think, well, if you're together in your group on, um, during the week, why don't you get a few bits of scripture that talk about the, the coming kingdom that, that is to come and just say, and, and just talk through kind of like, this is how Jesus is going to return. This is what it's going to look like. This is what we've got waiting for us. No more tears. No more crying. This is what's coming. This is the king who's coming for us. Um, I think in Thessalonians, um, there's this great bit of scripture in Thessalonians which talks about Jesus returning. And at the very end of it, it says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. That's a command in the Bible. Encourage each other with uh, the fact that Jesus is returning because it will change your perspective on life. When you're remembering, when you go through your day and you remember, actually, this day is not about today. I've got a coming kingdom, a, a home to return to with my Lord and Savior. So keep reminding each other, keep um, proclaiming to each other that Jesus is returning. Self-examination. So I guess it comes down to the, the big question is, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? What do I mean by this? Um, well, let's start with what I don't mean by this. What I don't mean is uh, you're a Christian because you've grown up in a so-called Christian country. Um, I don't mean by this that you're used to the tradition of going to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. Um, I don't mean by this that you've grown up with Christian parents, that that makes you a Christian. Um, that is, those are all things do not make you a Christian. So what do I mean? 
And I've got five questions for you um, that I want to ask, and I want... And I want it to be used as a kind of a self-examination, kind of actually, Jesus, wh- how do I answer these honestly? Um, and I want, us, I want us to ask them about ourselves. And I think um, as well, I want to put out the um, encouragement as parents. I think let's ask ourselves these questions for our kids as well. When we're t- thinking, actually, are they ready to partake in the bread and the wine? Do they understand that? Do they get it? So here's five questions that I think I want us to ask ourselves and examine our hearts. So number one. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he's the king of your heart and the saviour of your heart? And it's very important that you get both of those because very quickly we believe he's the saviour. We believe that because we like that because it's nice to think, oh yeah, Jesus loves me and he saved me, he died for me, he died for my sins. But to believe him as king for your life is a very different thing. It's to kind of say, now I laid down my life and my life is no longer mine, it's yours. I'm going to live for you. Jesus, you're king of my life. What, what do you want my life to look like? Uh, and you're no longer living for yourself. So you, do you believe Jesus is king? Do you believe he's saviour? Do you believe in both? Um, and when, I guess, I mean, I could say a whole load of more into that, like, uh, in terms of if, if you are sitting there this morning thinking, actually, I know I'm not a Christian, and that's not even a question, then actually this morning you can, you can come to know him. You can come to know Jesus. Um, he, he, I've already said, actually, as we break bread, it's a way to connect with Jesus. I've heard it before, people becoming Christians in that moment of breaking bread together, thinking, actually, this is how I know my king. This is how I know my savior. Um, so it's about an understanding of actually Jesus was the um, God, became man, went to the cross, at the cross, he died for our sins. He took our, the punishment that we deserved because a God who is a holy God um, cannot, cannot stand sin. And as we're all sinners, he can't connect with us. Then Jesus came and he was the one who went and took the sin from us. Uh, he put the blood around our lives that actually God's judgment for our sin could pass over because he took the punishment for us. And, and it's just amazing to think that actually and that moment of the cross, that wasn't it. He, he died and then he rose again. He defeated death so that we wouldn't have to uh, go through the, the eternal death. Lord. Instead, we could have the eternal life in him. So that, that is what we believe and that's what I want to encourage. Is that what I believe? Ask yourself, is that, ask yourself that question. The second one, are you repentant of your sins? And very quickly you can think, well, yeah, I've already said yes to the first one. So yes, I've already said sec- yes to the second one. Well, actually, I think actually there's an ongoing process it's not just a one-off of, oh yeah, when I was, when I was uh, 10 years old, I, I repented from my sins, so I'm a Christian. Actually, it's uh, every day to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I keep turning my back on you and living my own life. Keep making myself king rather than you. So I think we need to be aware. Are we keeping going back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to live for you. Um, not in a, I, I don't want to encourage a sense of guilt. We're under grace here. But actually, there's a real, a genuine sense of we need to go to Jesus and say I, wanna, I don't want my life to look like how it was I want to I live a new life in you because through Jesus the, the chains of sin are, defeat, are broken and we don't have to be living a life of sin we can live a life uh, glorifying God okay um, number three are you or do you want to be baptised um, I think the same the exactly the same requirements for be, partaking in the bread and wine are the same requirements for being baptised um, so I think if you're sitting here this morning and, and you know regularly you're coming up and uh, taking part in the breaking the bread together because you're saying I'm a Christian, the question I now want to ask is, if you're not baptised, why not? Um, it's there for you. It's there because that's another way God blesses his people. He, he, he commands. 
even, even uh, in this Acts verse, when we read about the early church, um, I, didn't, I didn't quite read to you quite early on, but in verse 38 it says, Peter replied, so this was what, at the end of his preach, he said, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a sense of actually, this early church um, it says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day and then they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the fellowship breaking the bread and prayer so this is cool to say are you, have you been baptized if not as it's already been said this morning Sunday the 16th of July or just about a month in a month's time um, we're going to be baptizing and, and we love baptizing people because it's just a great joyous moment of people saying I'm all for him. I want to live all for him and I'm going to follow his command to be baptised. So if you haven't been baptised, then I think I just want to encourage you um, to come and grab one of us late to the, uh, this morning and say, I want to be baptised. How, how can I go about it? And we can chat to you about that. Um, number four, are you, are you a worshipper of Jesus? Are you devoted to him? I, do you understand that actually he's, he's the ultimate uh, love in your life? He's the number one in life. I think uh, in our marriage, I think me and Vic are constantly trying to remind each other actually Babe becomes second. Jesus is first. And uh, I think we need to all be trying to do that in our lives, actually. There's constantly, every day, we're going to be fighting things off that are trying to take the place in our hearts of number one. Normally, it's ourselves. That is the the ultimate uh, throne stealer of Jesus, actually. But we're constantly saying, Jesus, I want you to be number one in my life. I want to worship you. I want my life to be a reflection of worship to you. So, and I think one way you can tell that is, actually, is the fruit of the Spirit starting to outwork in your life. What I mean by that is... Um, in the Bible, it talks about uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit being joy, patience, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, and one other, but I can't remember right now. But you get what I mean. <laughs> um, it's a sense of actually, as you walk with Jesus, your life starts to reflect him, and that just comes out naturally. So are you a worshipper of Jesus? And lastly, are you able to share what you believe? Are you able to share your story? Are you able to declare Christ to someone else? And that doesn't mean necessarily you're standing out in the street corner shouting it out. It doesn't mean you can stand necessarily up here and speak to everyone. But I just mean, can you just sit down with someone and say, you know what, Jesus has done this in my life. This is why I love him. And it's this sense of actually coming to that maturity where you can understand what's going on and you say, yes, this is, this is what I believe. Um, so those are five questions just to... Uh, help you examine your hearts and to work out where, where am I at? Where, where am I at with Jesus? Okay. It's going to be no surprise as to what our response is going to be this morning. Um, we're going to be breaking bread together. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.